Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. I am Sam Rosenberg. It is Wednesday, September 12th, 2018. Guys, football season has begun, and it would not be complete if I wasn't back here on the podcast with Shaka to talk about what's been going on. Shaka, welcome back. How you doing? Feeling good, man. It's another beautiful year for football. Absolutely. Very beautiful year for football, and we've got a lot of positive things to talk about. Why are we fucking around? Why are we messing around with the beginning? I don't even want to know how your last year has been. We all know what happened last year. We know the Eagles won the Super Bowl. We know these things took place. What we got to talk about right now is Sam Darnold, quarterback of the Jets. Was number three pick, am I correct? Oh, we starting with the Jets today. Oh, we're not just going to start with the Jets. I'm just raving about all of the positivity coming <laughs> off our Eagles and our Jets because that's that's the talk of the town right now. Is Listen, I know the Eagles have, are going to be the talk of the town all year because they're the defending champs, but Sam Darnold stomping on people on Monday night is going to be a major point of this podcast. It's a pretty good coming out party, I'll say. Fuck yeah, man. So, real quick, as I mentioned in our in our, our outline of today's show, honorable mention is going to be for the Eagles. I don't want to dwell too much on it, but they took care of business. Opening night game, they beat the Atlanta Falcons. It was almost like a, like a repeat of last year's playoff game against the Falcons. It was a very low-scoring game. Uh, Nick Foles, you know, this was not the let him throw, Shaka preach on Nick Foles. This was the defensive guy who was checking it down. He aired it out a few times, but, I mean, for me, the real story of the game was the defense. The Eagles' defense dominated, you know. Now that, dude, they've got Michael Bennett, Haloti Nada. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a little unfair at certain points with this game. Um, just uh, a bit terrifying to just watch the pass rush. Yeah, and, you know, real quick, before we get off this game, do you have any particular comments that you want to note about either team coming out of that game? Uh, I mean, it's always good to see Julio Jones get his due amount of looks in the passing game, but it looks like it's just a rehash of the same fundamental problems that the Falcons have had. I mean, really, they still have not addressed the fact that he needs a number two receiver out there. I mean, Des Bryant, you know, I'm not. I'm gonna probably throw his name out one more time during this podcast. But I mean, the perfect scenario right now. Talk about a team that needs another, you know, solid receiver, and talk about a receiver that needs a good team that doesn't need him to be the number one. The Falcons are perfect. Yeah, I I completely agree with trotting everything out. Everything about the Falcons looked like a carbon copy of last year. The same problems on offense. I know this is just one game, but. Dude, you're right. Julio Jones got all those looks, but yet still they struggled in the red zone. I mean, their their red zone inefficiencies were just on full display in that game. And I mean, it, honestly, I'm having trouble picking them. I think they're playing the Panthers at home this week, and I don't even know if they could beat the Panthers. And the Panthers looked they looked solid week one. So. Yeah, Panthers look really solid. So I just Atlanta. That's a whole other discussion in itself. Um, but listen, I, I didn't want to dwell too much on the Eagles. They took care of business. They're 1-0. Let's get to the first game that I think we really need to rip apart in this podcast. We're not going to go through every single game because, listen, not every single game deserves our time. But damn it, Sam Darnold and the New York Jets starting out 1-0 on Monday Night Football. And I want you to take this thing away. To, see, to have the game start out with a pick six and then to see the poise of Sam Darnold. Chaka, give me some of your thoughts about what you saw. Well, I mean... Going into the season, just a lot of apprehension because, I, I mean, th- there's been so much analysis and so much speculation on just what this kid brings to the field. 
And I, you know, I have to say, honestly, I don't think I was as anxious as I was when we drafted Mark Sanchez because Sanchez's body work also another USC quarterback. It only had one season of starting experience and it really was not much to break down in film. Darnold, on the other hand, you know, everyone kind of knew his mechanics. They knew, you know, his ups and his downs and the things that he needed to work on, really. And we saw some of that on display in this first game where, you know, there were a couple times where the pocket broke down and he scrambled. And that was one of his knocks was just, you know, sometimes he makes some poor decisions when the pocket breaks down. And lo and behold, the first play of the game is exactly that. Yeah. You know, pocket breaks down, he's scrambling right, and he throws a cross field to the other team and right away it's pick six so i mean it's one of those things where it's just of course lo and behold new york jets what a way to start the season you know to throwing it to the other team for a pick six and it's like, all right well there you go it's, you could turn the tv off now yeah i felt i, I was like ready to turn the tv off when that happened i was like you oh know, my god just a really rough rough kind of but you know what you look at the kid after he throws the pick six takes the you know snaps the little helmet buttons off but he doesn't he doesn't kick himself he's not throwing a hissy fit he walks off the field got the composure down next drive comes out you know and they they, they did a good job I, i'll give the jets you know um that new offensive coordinator out there mm-hmm. jeremy bates did a yep. great job of just kind of measuring out and metering out and utilizing all the weapons that the jets have which you know i i, I had to think about in context the Jets do have weapons to them, and I was talking to you about this a little bit during the game. Uh, Quincy Numa, thank goodness he's yeah. back, he's healthy, because that was a really rough injury to come back from. And he was, you know, the primary safety valve that Darnold had out there on the field. And he kind of, uh, those third-down conversions, he saved his butt a couple times I agree. out there. So he was, I mean, probably the biggest hero on offense for Darnold was Quincy Numa. Mm-hmm. Um, Robbie Anderson, who, you know, he had a night. He had that. That was a pretty touchdown pass. It was and very that's nice. That's Robbie Anderson's game. Pretty much is he's gonna bust one out. And if anything, he's not gonna be you know the probably number one receiver. Well, it's gonna be a very interesting season to see who's gonna be the number one. Because I well, feel like and, and especially when you have, have a Nunwa being yeah. more of the slot, and then you have Anderson being the vertical threat. I mean, it's it's, it's very strange. It kind of reminds me of back when it, there was you know the Lavernius Coles and was, Santana Moss. I was just gonna say Lavernius Coles. <laughs> Vernius Coles was, you know, he played in the number one slot, but really when you talk about the big play uh, potential, the Santana Moss was the man to go to. So it's a very interesting kind of parallel to that old Jets kind of playbook. Now, I mean, I was kind of skeptical about us adding another running back to this roster. Mm -hmm. I didn't really see kind of where a Crowell would fit in, but you know what? I mean, the guy had only 10 carries Mm -hmm. and he made the most out of them. So I, I, the difference you can see between the Cleveland offensive line versus the Jets offensive line, at least on the, um, on the run blocking was a huge, huge asset. And I think it's going to be so, so essential down the field, you know, down the road for this Jets team. I mean, mean, in terms of taking the pressure off of Darnold, it's huge. I mean, Crowell, I think is certainly a step up for them. I was, I was not ready to see him do what he did the other night. I did not expect that much, you know, burst and explosive playability. I mean, I knew we saw some of that in Cleveland, but it's, it's fucking Cleveland. You can't believe anything that happens over Likewise, there. Likewise, yeah. And so, and just, I think, yeah, dude, he toted uh, the rock, and I mean, it was that was some balanced play calling, and I mean, that really helped Darnold, and that's a good compliment for him in his first season. And I really think part of it is Crowell playing 
in Cleveland, you knew he was that, you know, north to south runner that the that the Browns would bring out. And when they would switch it off to um Duke uh Junior. Yeah, Duke was, Johnson. You know, catch it, Duke Johnson who catch it out of the backfield. So you kind of knew what was coming. With Powell and Crowell, you can get either look from both guys. So I think it at least kind of keeps the defense a little bit more honest. And so he might have some opportunities to to bust out some bigger runs this season. Can I give a little credit to that Crowell signing? Because I think one thing that I've been hearing, and, and this is might be a trend that I think you can agree with, is that you know we're seeing across the league schemes and coaching can make a you know, I know this sounds stupid, it makes a huge difference, but they're making a major difference when you see something like Sean McVay and the Rams. Yeah. Um, but then you see another team that's very generic and is struggling on offense like the Cowboys. And, you know, you look at the fact that the fact that Powell and Crowell, you don't know what you're getting. It's like, okay, he's the north-south runner and he's the pass-catching back. The fact that both of them can do both things is just an innovation of – the Jets offense, which is something where it's like, okay, at least Jeremy Bates doesn't have his head up his ass and at least knows, you know what, with these two guys, we're going to keep the the defenses guessing on our formations and our play calling. Another thing that's going to work out for Darnold and another thing it's, uh, that I like about their offense starting off. And I think we can p- kind of parallel that to the other side of the field. If you look at oh my the, God. the Jets that, rushing that numbers, Jets 22, defense. Carries, yeah, 22 carries for 162 yards for the Jets rushing. Um, I'll get to the Jets' defense in two seconds. My other problem, speaking of teams that have not changed much from last season, the Lions, oh. their run game is woeful. It was woeful last year. It was the woeful the year before that. Dude, you're really being nice. Woeful is a nice way to put that run game. They haven't learned any lessons at all. They haven't changed a single thing. And I think when Stafford pretty much had to save you with your arm, it, it, I mean, the results, just it, if you're not expecting too much from the run game. The, the defense is not going to play you, honestly, at all. And it really showed in a lot of those forced throws that Stafford made during this game. Yeah. And I think the defense really kind of keyed in. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Jets saying that they, you know, were kind of tipped off to what the Lions were going to run. I believe it. I yeah. would believe it completely when you have the same offense. So you, there's no one new in the backfield, you know, um, in terms of, like, who should I be worried about? Yeah. Theo Riddick has proven that he's not, uh, you know, a... Uh, uh, an elite running and back. And again, no surprises. When he comes in, you know they're doing a pass-catching back situation. Yeah. It's just, it really boggles the mind that they really haven't. I mean, Kerryon Johnson, you know, a, a nice new addition. I, down the road, we might see what he has to bring to the table. But really was not utilized at all in, in, in the playbook in nope. this first game. Nope. So, I, you know, I mean, Kenny Galladay is the unsung hero for this team. And I think... At some point, he's probably going to end up taking that number one position from Golden Tate yeah. and and Marvin Jones. But, I, I mean, Stafford's going to need some kind of running back to give him a breather and to kind of take the pressure off him making the big throw every single time. The Jets' defense, as good as it was and as much pressure as they were able to put on Stafford, I think a lot of it was just not a lot of variety in the Lions' mm-hmm. playbook. And it's going to be a problem every single game going down, you know, for them throughout the season. So the, the you, Jets, uh, you think, sorry, that, but I mean, do you think this is more of an indictment of the Lions as opposed to the Jets play? I think it's a little bit of both. You know the Jets are going to come and they're going to be, you know, aggressive on defense. They're going to they're gonna blitz, you know, and we never, it's never something where you talk about the Jets secondary being elite or ball hawks per mm-hmm. se, but, you know, when you look and you've got Tremaine Johnson's got an interception, you got Darren Lee's got two interceptions. Yeah. Oh, you've got Morris Claiborne with an interception. I mean, they really... 
they really had a nose for the football, uh, you know, this past week, uh, Monday. So it's 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 a little bit of both. And yes, the Jets have they they look a little bit fresher. They look hungry on defense, but some of it is predictability. I mean, mm-hmm. Stafford's arm is going to be the one thing you have to look out for when you're playing them. And I think every team going down is going to, you know, they're going to feast. I, I mean, there's got to be some changes. One of the things that really stuck out with me for the Jets was was their game plan. The game plan yeah. was fantastic, okay? They knew how to balance the run and the pass. They were complementing Darnold well. The defense played well. It had a real sense that it felt like they got Detroit's number pretty early, and then they just they did not take their foot off the gas. And there's been other teams in week one that got up ahead early, came out with some innovative play calling and got ahead early and then started to play conservative, took their foot off the gas and lost the game. And I didn't see the Jets do that at all. That was what was really impressive to me. To see Sam Darnold come back after that atrocious pick and to then actually play well, to legitimately look like an NFL quarterback with some poise who, by the end of the game, I was like, yo, this, wow, I want to see what he does next. Yeah, and you know what? I also got to give a little bit of credit Um. Special teams. Yeah. Special teams for the Jets played really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Roberts had a couple of nice punt returns, including mm-hmm. one for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, every time he got the ball in his hands, he, he was trying to take it to the house. So, I, you know, it, again, I, just a lot of things that we really have not seen from this uh, this Jets team and, in, and in a while. Got to give credit to Todd Bowles and the coaching staff because that is preparation. Yeah, a lot of that is this team. I I think he's always been a preparation kind of guy, but it looks like this year, like it's actually finally kind of sticking to guys. All right, pop quiz before we go to the next game. Next week, the Jets have a home game against the Miami Dolphins. Yep. Is this defense going to do what they did against Detroit against the Miami Dolphins? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, are they going to give Tannehill and that offense trouble? What do you think? I think so. I mean. One of the upsides you can look at is Jarvis Landry is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, they're not going to have that safety valve kind of guy who's going to have 15 targets per game. I will say this. Kenny Stills seems to have the Jets' number every time they play, though. So, I mean, he's going to be the guy I think they have to really watch out for. And I'm really glad that Trumaine Johnson's part of this defense now to really kind of focus in and lock in on that big threat guy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think with a little bit of pressure off of the deep, the deep ball, you know, on the defensive side, maybe that pass rush can actually get in there and cause some havoc and make them throw some more inaccurate passes. I mean, look, Dolphins quarterback's not terrible, but he's not the best quarterback out there. So I think they have an opportunity to really kind of get in his head and harass him down the field. Um, and that being said, I, I'm really not looking, I'm not expecting a whole lot from that Dolphins defense. Okay. So I think the Jets have a really good chance of winning this one. Are you excited about Sam Darnold right now? You know what? I'm excited, but it's very measured. I want to see what he looks like um, against another defense. That you know, Just to kind of see how he does his reads and if he learns from his mistakes and to see if he still has some of those kind of fundamental um, flaws that I, that I was talking about earlier when they were drafting him. You know, when the pocket breaks down, mm-hmm. does he make solid decisions? You know, is that like cross-body throw that he made to Quincy Nunwa? going to be kind of a thing every game where it's you know he's trying to throw it into into a cloud or is he just going to throw it away like I have to see where his head is at mentally just to kind of figure out if this is this is real or not okay 
Okay. Brings back memories of uh, early Mark Sanchez's career. He looked pretty good in the yeah, first couple of games. Pretty but, solid. And then, you know, I, I want to say it was like week four or week five, he had a five-interception game, and all of a sudden everyone was like, oh, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll say the running game is, is pretty good, so I think they'll they'll bail him out a little bit more mm-hmm. than they did with Sanchez. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. So... Moving on to the next game that we're going to discuss, it'll be the Packers-Bears game on Sunday Night Football where Aaron Rodgers proceeded to tell everybody in the world, did you guys forget that I'm the best fucking quarterback in the world? What the fuck are you guys doing? Didn't you just realize I got $100 million guaranteed? Holy shit, Aaron Rodgers strolls in on one leg, throws three fourth-quarter touchdown passes to come back and beat this Bears team. Okay, aside from the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a god among men, uh... I think the thing that I really took away from this was I feel like I learned more about the Bears than I did about the Packers. This Packers team, listen, this is not new news. If anything, it's the fact that Jordy Nelson isn't on the team. And it was not a surprise to me that Aaron Rodgers included Geronimo Allison in some of the the passing game because I'd heard, you know, he had commented, I think, in preseason talking about how Geronimo Allison had been playing very well and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. And I was sort of like, all right, I feel like Allison is kind of getting further up into uh, Aaron Rodgers sort of, you know, I like this guy. I'm building um, a rapport and a chemistry with him. But the Bears, there was clearly a lot of excitement with Khalil Mack coming to this defense. He was on a bit of a pitch count because I think, you know, he wasn't necessarily in 100% game shape. And he also doesn't know the whole scheme for the Bears because he just came, right. he came on board so recently but to you know to see them jump out early to see them you know get after Aaron Rodgers he leaves very early i mean him on the cart was i mean i sat there and was just like holy shit is this going to be one of those seasons where Aaron Rodgers is gone for the whole year and now we got to watch you know Deshaun Kaiser quarterback this Packer team you know and then Khalil Mack gets the pick six takes it all the way back to the house i mean it was all bears all day and everybody felt like the world had turned on his head But, you know, of course, they came back down to earth. But the thing that I stuck out, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in this podcast, about offenses coming out with some exciting new looks, some new formations, running RPOs, and trying to really get ahead of the other team and get them on their heels. And the Bears absolutely did that. God bless them. They ran some RPOs. They had some new formations. They got ahead early. And, you know, it was probably fortuitous that Aaron Rodgers got knocked out of the game. The more revealing thing, as I said, was about the Bears. At the end of the game, probably even before Aaron Rodgers came back into the game, they started playing conservatively. They took their foot off the gas. They kind of ran out of the playbook, and I feel like Mitchell Trubisky got exposed. I know he was the number two pick overall last year. I know there's a lot of hype about him being a rookie quarterback, and with these rookie quarterbacks, you got to go all in right now to maximize the salary cap, but... Shaka, call me crazy, but I'm not sensing a Jared Goff rebound from Mitchell Trubisky. I haven't seen enough from this guy. He seems like they got to scheme him to get into good positions, but when he needs to roll out, like he likes rolling out of the pocket, but when he has to be a pocket passer, I think he struggles. I think he sort of telegraphs his passes a little too much, and I'm just not sold on this guy, and I really started to lose faith as this team started to you know, fold like a cheap suit in the fourth quarter. So listen, I talked a lot about this Sunday night football game, but I want to get some reactions from you. Were there? Tell me what you saw from this Bears team. What did you learn about the Bears after this game was over? Well, you know what? I think um, this season, I, I can. I think I can safely say that Bears defense is actually going to be one of the 
probably top 10 defenses yeah. in the league. I will say, I mean, if you look at a lot of um, a lot of the breakdown in this game, and I know there's one particular guy in that Bears locker room that's going to be taking a lot of heat, you know, in the film review this week, and it's going to be Kyle Fuller. Yeah. Because a lot of the— When he had—when he dropped the, the Aaron Rodgers interception— I mean, and even before that, look, granted that Geronimo Allison touchdown catch was beautiful. I mean, he smoked Kyle Fuller yeah. on coverage. I mean, I think every time they threw at Kyle Fuller, it was either, you know, a he first got down or, yeah, he got he got cooked a lot in that game. And I don't know if that's a, a glaring flaw in the Bears defense or if Fuller just had a bad game. Either way, he's kind of the fall guy for this one. Because when you think about it in every other sense, I mean, for a guy who doesn't really know the playbook, Khalil Mack was just a... a yeah. It's just a nightmare human being. I yeah. think he got pressure. He looked scarier. He looked scarier in a Bears uniform than he did in the Raiders. <laughs> and remember, that Raiders defense was not good at all. No, it wasn't. And Khalil Mack was so good that he just really made up for a lot of the deficiencies that they had in the pass rush and the run block. He was just that good. Now you put him on this team with Trevathan. I mean, he's just got a bunch of guys. He's got um, Prince Makamura, mm-hmm. who you know he's got a lot of guys around him who can kind of back him up and, you know, really really play together collectively as a defense. They're pretty solid before this. I think with Khalil Mack, it's really going to give a lot of these guys opportunities to shine and, you know, take advantage of mistakes from, you know, opposing quarterbacks. It just really didn't work out for them because they went up against Aaron Rodgers. And, yeah. I mean, talk about some great play calling. Yeah. And, you know, and I, you know what? You, po- you pointed out something I hadn't really thought about is just how – how amazing it is that this guy can lose wide receivers and just have someone else get bumped up on a depth chart to fill that spot. Yeah. You know, Randall Cobb now is just that that one big dependable receiver that used to be Jordy Nelson's spot. Devontae Adams has gone up to the number two. And then you got Geronimo Allison is filling in perfectly at number three. Like, it's just this cog, this is machine that just always turns out another guy to fill a spot. So, I mean, if this, this trio right here does what they did, you know, Sunday night football. I think the Packers are going to be okay in terms of being able to produce enough offense. If this is what you get from three quarters of, I mean, sorry, you know, from the third quarter on, you get 24 points on the board. They're going to be okay. Yeah. On the other side, Trubisky, I honestly really cannot, and I don't think it's in good, in good faith. I can't really put a verdict out on him yet. You know, one, you got a new head coach. You know, this is a whole new year. offense. He's got, he's got a whole new offense. He's got Allen Robinson, who's a great wide receiver coming off a really bad knee injury. Mm-hmm. You got Taylor Gabriel. I mean, it looks like they're trying to get Jordan Howard involved in the passing game, which is not anything he's done at all mm-hmm. in the last two years. So there's a, literally a whole new machine being built here. So I, I think really maybe they're just that they've shortened up the playbook. They've choked it up a little bit, and there's really not that much variety and a lot of safe plays because, I mean, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Aside from a fumble or two, I mean, he really, he, he's just there. He didn't do anything really to impact the game in a positive or negative way. And, uh, well, so, I'm, I mean, the one biggest thing was, I think it was, well, was it that third down pass to Allen Robinson where I feel like he just, he overthrew it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, and that was a big play, too. That was, I mean, that could have really changed the pacing of the game. So yeah. He just kept them alive and burned the clock out. But, I mean, you know what? It's one of those things in terms of a situation. Who knows? Maybe we get six or seven games into the season, and in that same scenario, he's gotten enough of a rapport with uh, Allen Robinson that that throw is a complete pass. Because there was a couple, he made a couple nice throws to Robinson early in the game. Like he threaded the needle pretty well. So, I mean, the potential is there. 
It's just to see if he can be, and you know, and it's kind of in the same vein as the Sam Darnold. If we can kind of get a consistency to see if there's actually this is who he is, you know, and his makeup, or is he, you know, I'm trying to think of a past Bears quarterback that was just woeful. Rex Grossman. You know? Grossman's an example. Kyle um, Orton. Kyle Orton. Who am I thinking of? His his draft day. I'm, I'm mocking now. His draft tape was him throwing from one end zone to the other from his knees. Um, ended up being the, the Dolphins quarterback for a couple of years and then decided, you know what, I'm going to retire. We're not talking about Jay Cutler, are we? We're talking about Jay Cutler. <laughs> Jay Cutler, I mean, is a Excuse me, example. I'm going to go to the locker room and smoke a cigarette real quick. <laughs> you know, the big arm doesn't necessarily mean a goddamn thing. It's just if you can be consistent. So I think really that's what I'm looking for in Trubisky right now is if he can be consistent because they don't need him to be amazing. No, they they've don't. Got a pretty solid core, and they've got a Jordan lot of Howard's great skill great, position yeah. players there. Jordan Howard is a great running back, and you can build a lot from that. So I think and Tariq Cohen, not really 100 percent sure what they're doing with him position wise, mm-hmm. but he's got you know a flexibility to, to do multiple things. So they have they have the weapons around them to make something happen. Mm-hmm. Well. I I think I I I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give you some credit here, man. I'm gonna wait on it as well. I'm sort of ready to I'm almost ready to put the put the ballot in here and say I'm not feeling Trubisky at all. I I like I like all of the, all of the talent they put around him, but I mean, listen, it's gonna be Monday Night Football. I believe they have a home game against the Seahawks coming up this weekend, and right. I'm I know their defense is world beaters. I know the offensive line for the Seahawks is trash, but. I mean, part of me still wants to pick the Seahawks just because I kind of feel like Russell Wilson will figure out a way to pull it out of his ass, and I just don't have the faith that Trubisky can do that. I would, too. I would say that, remember, um, Doug Baldwin has a bad knee injury, so I think he's playing next weekend. But I'm still still leaning the Seahawks. But, I mean, think about this. I didn't really watch many Bears games last year Mm -hmm. because I thought they were pretty fucking boring. They were awful. But, I mean, can you think of... One wide receiver from that team from last year? I can't. I can't remember that offense. At I all. mean, it was Cameron Meredith who's gone. It was shit. I don't. It's no. hard to. I, I really had to kind of like, and even then, I can't do I it. Mean, I, they had, um, I mean, they had. I mean, Kevin White, who was drafted like number five overall, like three years ago, is finally like actually on the roster. But I don't know if he actually got any snaps last night. He did not. I don't. I see. I mean, he wasn't on the. Oh, was wasn't it, uh, was Deontay Thompson, was he on the Bears last year? Oh, I don't remember. He was either on the Bears I or the Bills. He He's on the Cowboys now, but I think he was part of that receiving core. Oh, I think Deontay Thompson was on the Bills. Shit. I mean, it just, it just oh, goes... Oh, you know who like else was on the Bears who I thought about was uh, the tight end, Zach Miller, who nearly had his leg amputated. And, yeah, it's just, I mean... I think he's on injured reserve just... this year. Yeah, the Rolodex of guys who went through there last year. So I, I feel like I'm looking at a completely just new team, and I have to kind of wipe the slate Did, and start all they over. They also went into last season with Mike Glennon as the starting quarterback. Oh, God. I, I remember that. And I remember, as a Jets fan, wanting him to sign with the Jets. So I'm glad <laughs> that I'm glad that whole thing came and went. Dodged and the bullet. Rolled out the way it is. Yeah, exactly. So I think Trubisky, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm going to – make a concerted effort to actually look because you know we know how Jared Goff ended up we know how Carson Wentz ended up yeah I, I, I'd like let's, to see you know let's give him some time to grow yeah all right let's get out of this and we'll hit the last game of our of our podcast today the Niners losing to the Vikings now I wanted to highlight this game because of I, I think some of the storylines that come out of it it was in Minnesota 
They took care of business. Kirk Cousins looked great. He looked looked phenomenal. Exactly what you wanted. He came in, accurate throws, moving the ball down the field. The offense looked clean. It looked smooth. He looked like a seamless fit. And then you put that in with a defense that is world-beating and a team that was pretty darn close to getting to the Super Bowl. I know the Seahaw, or the uh, my Eagles you know, beat the living shit out of them last year in Philly, but it still doesn't negate the fact that this is a very complete roster. This Vikings team is one of the most complete rosters right next to the Eagles, and you got to see them on display with Kirk Cousins. However, you also got to see Jimmy G and the Niners come in, a team that I think has had so much hype come around them during the preseason. Uh, Garoppolo coming to the team last year, going 5-0 and to finish the season. You know, them bringing in Jarek McKinnon, George Kittle, all these guys who it was sort of like, oh, this is exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants. This fits his offense. This is what he's looking for. I know they just lost McKinnon, but there was this belief of, I know they were 6-10. and I know they were bad. I know they're rebuilding. But this excitement, this hype that they're going to come in and they're really going to make some noise. Well, that all really came back down to earth with Jimmy G throwing interceptions. Um, I believe Marquise Goodwin getting hurt in the game. And part of me is sitting here saying, okay, is this the Niners kind of coming back down to earth a little bit here? Or is it more a product of the fact that the Vikings are just dominant? absolutely dominant on defense. And Mike Zimmer was like, all right, guys, because San Francisco, it looked like they ran out of a playbook too. It looked like they got short of calls. And then in the second half, they were like, "Ah, we don't really know what the hell to do. And Mike Zimmer's defense is like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to rush four guys and just crush you as much as I can. And it didn't look like Jimmy G in the offense was ready to respond in the fourth quarter. It's almost like um, Mike Lombardi on the ringer usually says, oh, those are... uh, those are, uh, you know, 48-minute teams. They play for 48 minutes, and then the last 12 minutes, they don't know what the hell to do. So I kind of wanted to highlight this because I wanted your take on this Niners team. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I'd like your opinion on the Vikings as well, but what do you think of this Niners team? Is this an indication of the fact that they still need to grow, or do you just think they hit a buzzsaw in the Vikings' defense and that, you know, next listen, next week the Niners are playing the Lions. So let me ask right. you this, like, are they going to bounce back and look good against the Lions and probably come out with a win? What, what do you think? Look, I think the Vikings defense is absolutely scary. I, you know, I, I think about just Sheldon Richardson looking revitalized on oh, that man. defensive line. There's just a lot going on there. I, I, I don't blame anyone for going in. I mean, they put up they were they put up at least 16 points on the Vikings, which is you know it's honorable. They're teams that have done much worse. In the past season, so I I, I want to kind of factor in that a little bit. I was not as high on Jimmy G as everyone was last year when he had that you know six game win streak. I was not either. Just, I mean the numbers didn't really. I think there's he maybe had one good game where he threw three touchdowns, but I mean the numbers didn't really. No, he looked kind of, competent. I don't know if he looked exactly. Amazing. It spoke to him being able to function in the offense, but not necessarily like he didn't feel like he you know. He was on the open road, and he had his foot on the gas, which mm-hmm. is more of just don't crash the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're kind of getting more of, all right, this is your team. You got the reins to it. Okay, granted, Goodwin got hurt. You know, you still got to make something happen. He had a couple nice plays. I, I thought um, Kittle did a great job of being that release valve, and he got himself open in a couple really nice plays. Yeah. But there were scenarios there where, you know, Garoppolo was asked to make big plays, and I think only one of his interceptions, I can say, 
probably wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. I think it was a tipped pass from, mm-hmm. uh, from one of his guys. Mm-hmm. But the rest, you know, I mean, just one of them was he wasn't really forced. I, he just threw, just threw into bad, you know, he just threw it into coverage, which was kind of a what the hell. Mm-hmm. And the other one, he really just tried to force it. So I, I, I think he's going to have to go back to the tape and kind of bang himself on the head because he's got no one to blame but himself. Even one of those turnovers, maybe two, would have probably put them in a better position to, you know, actually win this game. Because, yeah. I, I mean, as good as because, Cousins looked, the Vikings weren't really hammering no, them until and, the third and, quarter. And, you know, the score, I think it was an eight-point game at the end, but the truth was, I mean, the Niners were, I mean, they were trying to win that game at the end. And there yeah, was a few mo- there was a few moments where, I mean, it looked like they were starting to really get dangerous. I think it's just the fact that, that that 49ers defense was forced to be on the field for so for so long mm-hmm. just because of the turnovers mm-hmm. that eventually you just wear them out. I mean, you know, you got Dalvin Cook and you got Latavius Murray. You can run the ball all day if you need to, yeah, just to burn the clock out. Yeah. So I I mean we haven't really seen the Vikings. I don't. I think the 49ers got lucky that the Vikings didn't really open up with all the horsepower on them because they've got potential to do like damage if they needed to be in a shootout with a team. I think they've got enough firepower to do it. But wow. I think really this was just them kind of, you know, managing the games. The first game of the season, there's no need to be showboatish, just to kind of, you know, run the clock out, win the game. And I don't think really Jimmy G gave them too much of a, a threat, I would say. Right. In terms of I, this team just looks, you know, the run game was just okay. Alfred Morris had a big fumble. Yeah. You know, and they're trying to oh, make God. a drive down the field. So oh. there were there were moments where they just got the wind knocked out of themselves, but it's all turnovers. I'd like to see what they look like, you know, with, you know, when they're not making four or five turnovers in a game against the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, do you, right now, pop quiz, Niners-Lions, week two, who wins that game? I like the 49ers defense, that being said. I mean, you know, they've got they've got a little squad there, and, you know, of course they got Sherman. So I, they have a good field leader. Um, I, 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 just, I have to go 49ers in this one. I think they have a little bit more of a complete team no, I agree. versus the Lions. So I, I agree. We'll see. I mean, it's the Lions be... the Lions were embarrassing. Yeah, that's the thing. is, It wasn't that they were just bad. They were woeful. I mean, it just looks like this season's going to be a sub-500 wash. Yeah. 49ers, I mean, there's, people still have high hopes for them, and they put up a, an okay fight against the Vikings. They didn't, they didn't look great. But, I mean, the score really doesn't really do... It's not an accurate representation. I mean, those turnovers really, really just kind of ended the game. They just knocked the win out of their own sails. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. I'm, I'm not, I'm not thoroughly like checked out. I'm not writing off the Niners. I think they, they definitely hit a tough buzzsaw with that Vikings. I mean, I think the Vikings are on, they're on a mission. Like, I really think it's Super Bowl or bust. And, you know, a team like the Niners, it's sort of like, listen, guys, I'm sure you've got a lot of excitement built around you this season, but. I mean, we are, they are ready to mow people down. I mean, I'm really curious to see what, um, I think the Eagles and the Vikings play in like week four or week five, and it's probably going to be Nick Foles. Uh, you know, I'll be interested to see what that's going to look like. Cause the Vikings are ready to just punch people in the mouth this year. Oh man. That's going to be a good game. Uh, all right, man. That's all we got for today. Let's get the hell out of here. Everyone. Thanks a lot for listening to Sam sports podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I actually prefer SoundCloud. I think it's a very nice platform. And of course, you can always like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station and follow me on Twitter at Smith Face Jones. Um, 
We're going to get the hell out of here. We're excited for week two. Um, Shaka, as we're leaving, going to hit you again with another one. Is there a game in particular you're excited for this weekend or just ready to get week two Sam Darnold going on? I think I'm I'm kind of focused on the Jets. I, 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 I've been kind of holding, you know, like, this this uh this position where I'm like I don't really care let's we'll just see what happens we'll just see what happens but deep down I'm I'm genuinely genuinely curious if I had to pick a game Steelers and Chiefs one because the Chiefs look really really good oh yeah and the Steelers look a little bit wobbly it's kind of like they've swapped places a little bit mm-hmm. so also I want to see you know um Pat Mahomes I want to see if he's the real deal or not that first that first week thrashing was a lot more about Tyree being an absolute freak of nature. Yes. So I'm I'm very curious to see if Mahomes is the truth and if Roethlisberger has anything left in the tank. Yeah, I'm I dude, great call. I'm interested to see it too because a few of those Mahomes touchdowns were just essentially like handoff jet sweeps, which were just you yeah. know, you know, it's like let's see what he can really do against um a much stiffer defense in uh the Steelers. Um, the thing I'm I'm listen, I'm excited to see the Eagles play this Buccaneers team that put 48 points on the Saints with Ryan Fitzmagic. Goodness. Um, yeah. It'll be exciting to see them. And, uh, you know, hopefully there isn't a hurricane that rolls through Tampa Bay when they play. Um, but actually, you know, the game that I think I'm actually kind of excited or, uh, or interested to see is Sunday night's Giants-Cowboys game because the Cowboys looked so bad on offense. And the Giants have had all of their own problems on offense and defense. And I'm sort of interested to see how that shakes out because – I'm kind of, I kind of have a feeling like Dallas is going to fall even lower, and I kind of, I'm, I'm afraid for them because I do think they've got some talent on on that squad. But I mean, my God, I just think the coaching is doing them such a disservice at this point. And I was curious because I was wondering, is it? Would you be satisfied to see the Cowboys get knocked down another peg, or? I, w- I I would be satisfied to see them get knocked down another peg. Divisionally speaking, I I, I mean I don't know. I, I think the Cowboys fans have been a little bit smug in the last couple of years, and I, you know what? I don't want to say it yet, but I mean that Cowboys quarterback is not looking nope nope as prim and as proper. Listen, I know as I got advertised. I know I got some very close Cowboys fans in my life, but I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't know if they're going to keep Dak Prescott around after this rookie contract because he has oh, not he has not gonna, been able to replicate this. rookie year. We're going to have to revisit this halfway through the season uh, because, yes. you know, I mean, the whole Dez thing, he's not on a team. They don't really have a number. I mean, it just really showed that they were really lacking on offense. And, I mean, as good as Elliott is, they, they the, just the look, offensive line isn't amazing like it was two years ago. And the play calling, the play calling is so generic. Yeah, I mean, Cole Beasley is super... Could you imagine Cole Beasley on the Patriots? Dude. He, he, it's a completely night and day, you know. I, he's such a integral... I, like, I feel like he's underused. He's absolutely underused. And and right so now, he is probably going to be the number one guy in, in Dallas right now. I just... I'm interested to see if they're going to look even worse, and I kind of feel like they will. I mean, so, just I just mean, figure out a way to get Ezekiel Elliott more in the offense. Just just as, scheme everything to him. What is the problem? Yeah, I mean, he's just a one-man wrecking show. But I, as, look, as much as I like seeing Des Bryant throw shade on social media, it's just I, I don't I don't understand what happened there. Like I don't I just there's something. Just doesn't make sense. Uh, it's dude. It's Dallas, and it's Jerry Jones running a team. There's always going to be drama. 
All right, guys, we're out of here. Enjoy this week's slate of games. You heard it right here. Shaka and I are picking the games to watch. Shaka's saying Chiefs-Steelers, and I'm saying Giants-Cowboys. we got some storylines to check out. But as always, we'll be back next week to recap week two. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you later. Take it easy, guys. Bye-bye. Good to be back, guys. See you next week.